Welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. This is Matt Zapala, your host and creator of Euphoria Health and Active Living, your go-to hub for all information on movement, sustainability, and plant-based nutrition. My main goal is to generate happiness, and I couldn't think of a more fitting word to represent my brand than Euphoria. Join me as I dive into raw conversation with qualified professionals, athletes, influential individuals, and many more. It's time now to introduce this week's special guest. Hello to all of you amazing people out there. I hope you're having a wonderful day and finding that euphoric moment in each and every day. In episode 15 of the podcast, I sat down with Sophie van der Cullen, or people may know her as Superwoman. Sophie is the regional manager of a great company called Lululemon and is also a group fitness instructor at F45 Ascot Vale. Anyone who knows Sophie only has glowing words to say about her and is inspired by her ability to motivate and inspire other people even though her workload is massive. In this episode, we spoke about connection and what it means to develop a meaningful and authentic connection, as well as the benefits of doing this. We spoke about her roles and responsibilities at both Lululemon and F45, and tips for the listeners on how to juggle busy periods in their life. We also spoke heavily about vulnerability and what it means to be vulnerable, how to be good at showing vulnerability, and how to be good at receiving someone's vulnerability, which is the most important part of them all. She's changing the stigma around this word and showing us that it's okay to show some vulnerability. Sophie takes us through her best experiences working at Lululemon and some of the amazing opportunities she's had. She also explains how working with this amazing company has enabled her to grow as a person and be the best version of herself. This podcast really hits home for me and will create thought-provoking conversations as well as give you tips on how to get the best out of yourself each and every day. Sophie's doing amazing things and has such a positive message to share. I can't wait for you all to listen to the podcast. She's truly living into the best version of herself. So as Sophie would say, make yourself a long black and enjoy the show. Sophie, thanks so much for coming down today and making time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. This Welcome awesome. to the podcast. Thanks is this for your first me. podcast? Yes, it is. Excellent. Yeah. Welcome to the community. <laughs> <laughs> Just to paint the picture for you guys, we're currently sitting in where I train out of Euphoria Studios at the moment, sipping our particle coffees, <laughs> which is uh, very nice for a Friday morning. How me and Sophie met, I used to work at a great company called Lululemon, which Sophie is a regional manager. Yes, Am I correct? That's correct. Awesome. And we both had the common interest of being plant-based and it sparked lengthy conversations <laughs> from places to eat <laughs> to brands of peanut butter to buy. <laughs> As you can imagine, we would end up in a roller coaster of conversations, reeling off recipes bit by bit that none of us would remember anyway. But Not <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'd Instagram you later and be like, what did you say? What was that protein? <laughs> Definitely. Oh, I love it. Sophie, uh, anyone who knows you refers to you as a superwoman, <laughs> juggling so many different roles and responsibilities and still being so positive around people. And having the responsibility of empowering other people to be just like you is amazing. We'll dive into that later on in the show. But first, Sophie, tell us what life was like for you growing up. Oh, gosh. Um, life, was, life was good. Life was actually great. I have two um, pretty incredible parents that encouraged my brother and I to do everything and, and do anything. Uh, so life was busy. 
uh, and active and full and from when we could walk we were active when it came to sport or um, anything in the community so my poor dad was the only one with the driver's license so the guy was driving my brother and I around from cricket to netball to yeah. soccer to dancing to basketball gymnastics etc uh, so yeah super active uh, and also a lot in the music space as well so I played instruments and was in a band and a choir and all those things that I did at school, but I did all of them. A very diverse range. And yes. do you think that's shaped you into the person you are today, having all those experiences? Absolutely. I think the experiences, more so the, the outlook that my family had on the experiences of like try everything and do everything to see what suits you. So I tried tennis and realised that I didn't really love it when I was a young kid. And, and my brother was the same, both of us tended to lean towards the team sports or uh, you know a band or a choir when you were surrounded by people so it let us learn to go after what we loved um, and and knew that we weren't going to love everything in our lives as well so we could choose which things healed us up and, and lit us up. Excellent you touched on team sports there and it's very evident that you are a team person being in your role today empowering such a a large team and being able to coordinate that how do you think that being involved in team sport has enabled you with the resources to do that today? Yeah I think for me with team sports and it was funny when you said that I went oh actually I was a horse rider a competitive horse rider and a lot of that's individual but I would say that what really lit me up was when I was in a team so when I was dancing choreographing doing a, a routine together with people I liked the reliance that I had on other people and that they could have on me uh, I like the connection, the relationship uh, that I could build and uh, yeah, I like being there for other people. Excellent. So that really showed up in, in all of those sports from a five-year-old all the way through to, you know, to right now, as you said, in my job. Amazing. So. Awesome. And your dad sounds like a little bit of a super superman, both your parents do at the moment. Yeah. I guess that translates to the current role that you're in at the moment, juggling so many different things. Would yes. you agree? Yes. My mum is definitely, I would say, superwoman. Uh, I feel like I'm just, I'm in that shadow. Uh, she is pretty incredible and uh, does everything and anything and was one of those people when I was growing up, I'd go, oh, I'm a bit tired. And she'd be like, come on, get on with it, get up, let's keep going. And uh, it was really about that motivational push to, to keep going. And that life's too short mentality of you know fit as much in as you can and try as much as you can and uh, dad's not as not as um, not as direct or not as strong as her but um, is is very loving and very warm and very fun and very frivolous so it's a beautiful combination and they complement each other <laughs> yeah, they, do. they definitely do most of the time <laughs> I've seen them on your Instagram story oh, they yeah. look like one of the coolest parents ever <laughs> I must admit yeah dad has become a bit of an in, uh, Instagram sensation. He doesn't know how to use Instagram. He doesn't know that he's on Instagram. But between me at 33 years of age having Snapchat filters on his face to posting him on Instagram stories, um, uh, people think it's funny. It makes people laugh. So I love it. And I think I love he loves it. it. And it really brings back that family connection that we we're talking totally. about before. Yeah, totally. Excellent. So if growing up, did you know what you wanted to be? Oh, uh, I think when I was about three years old, I thought I wanted to be a preschool teacher. I don't know (laughs) where that came from or why that came out, uh, because I'm definitely not the most maternal. My friends would know that, that I get very uncomfortable with children. (laughs) Um, So that was the first thing. Uh, As I grew up, I definitely had uh, the desire to work with animals was a big thing. Uh, I I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing right now uh, necessarily, but then when I look back at all of the jobs and 
situations that I put myself in, I'm not surprised that I ended up working so closely with people uh, and in connection with guests and customers and a team. Uh, but yeah, growing up, it was definitely, there was a passion for animals. There was a, um, a passion for performing arts. So awesome. Uh, Guess it, wasn't unclear, it wasn't clear when definitely. I was growing up. And that all ties into what you're doing at the moment. True. Which is funny how life <laughs> has a full circle like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Flashback a little bit to your education. What mm-hmm. was it like at high school growing up for you and then leading into your tertiary degrees, if you had any? Yep. Uh, so we... I, I've changed high schools during my uh, five years of high school. That's correct. God, it was a long time ago. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the later start, later parts of high school where I could choose my subjects. My favourite subjects tended to be chemistry and dance, which is a very mixed up combination um, of science and performing arts. But I really went after what I loved uh, in that. I would say that I did some subjects because I thought I had to and because I thought they would set me up the best for the rest of my life. And and frankly, 16 and and early 17 years of age, which is when I graduated high school in Queensland, because at the time it was 17 when you graduated, I I really didn't know what I was going to do. So I chose subjects that I thought would set me up the best, um, as well as subjects that I I enjoyed doing. Uh, I wouldn't say that I was an A-plus student. I didn't put 100% into into everything that I did in high school and and my mum describes it in a really interesting way which is like you did what you needed to do to get the marks that you needed to get to fulfill what you wanted to do where uh, I've got you know a very intelligent brother who worked hard and got fantastic marks and and knew probably a bit more what he was after potentially Uh, so for me it was just like get it done and I chose to go into a tertiary qualification of a Bachelor of Arts uh, majoring in journalism which I only lasted six months in uh, I, I followed that career because, as I said, at 17, I, I don't think we know what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. It's a pretty... When I look at 17-year-olds now, I'm like, how was I going to decide at that age what I was going to do? <laughs> uh, and I I've definitely felt a little bit of pressure there, that societal pressure, not, not localised from my family or anything, but just that societal pressure to know. And so I went into a qualification that was similar to where my dad's qualification and work was um, but I actually got gallstones six months into my degree I was uh, 17 and I got gallstones which took forever to diagnose because what 17 year old has gallstones yeah. at the time it was classed as an old people's disease and so I took a leave of absence for the rest of that year after I had two surgeries to get the gallstones removed wow some would say that that might have been a sign that you were in the wrong career path. <laughs> I would actually at the time I didn't think like that and I definitely think much later on down the track that that's potentially a sign because it enabled me to reconsider what I was doing and and later well, that following year I actually moved to Melbourne to study performing arts full-time awesome. uh, so I made that move I could have chosen Sydney or Melbourne I'd grown up in Sydney it probably would have been slightly more familiar but there was something really pulling me to Melbourne and I got into a performing arts course and was dancing for a full year uh, until I actually got stress fractures in both my shins yeah. um, for those there's any dancers or performers out there they know what it's like to work through the pain and push through some of those things that potentially aren't so great for you and um, I know talking to a trainer right now and, and being a trainer myself that's not necessarily what we want people to do Definitely. but at the time you know jumping on concrete floors and uh, back then when I started dancing which was 1988 
there wasn't the technology that there is now in flooring and um, what's what's happening in studios. So as a result, my, my shins were pretty damaged. And uh, so I ended up doing a year of performing arts before I uh, moved back to Queensland, moved back in with my parents and decided to do um, a diploma of event management with a Bachelor of Business in HR and Marketing. Excellent. So really found what was going to resonate with me. Uh, event management was something that I loved. I loved the coordination, the people, the connection, the relationship. Uh, and I went into a Bachelor of Business uh, in this combined degree diploma and went for a, a major in HR because I started doing HR subjects and realised how much I loved. Things like staffing and remuneration and leading teams uh, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it was it, it was a journey to get there. And when I look at it, it was only two and a half years to get there. So I wasn't even 20 years old when yeah. I found the course and, and the degree that I wanted to do. Excellent. Just backtracking a little bit, you, we touched on before about your mentality looking at mm-hmm. things and how you thought about something as being a scientist when you got the course done, <laughs> being a scientist. What changed your mentality to now look at that in a different light? Uh, a combination of different things. I think age. Age definitely helps and, and being able to reflect on what has happened. I definitely think working for Lululemon, so as you touched on in the beginning, I, I work at a company that is... Uh, I'm not going to say all about signs, but it's definitely about listening to what else is going on and, and reading between the lines and knowing that things happen for a reason. Uh, and I was I was younger then. I didn't think that those things meant anything except for the fact that I had gallstones and yeah. I was unwell, where now I know so much more about the brain and how that connects with everything else in the body and you know how stress, uh, how the body responds to stress and all those types of things. So... I think it's it just over time I've just learnt more, I've listened more, I've I've heard, and I think we're all getting more educated around Definitely. how uh, one thing can affect the other and how a physical illness or sickness can actually come from something, you know, that we've created or that we've taken on or that we've held on for too long. So Awesome. Yeah. I know personally since I started shifting my focus into thinking that things are just happening and that's the way it is, instead of linking yeah. the pieces, I found that I found myself finding going into career paths that suit me better and making decisions based on past or previous experiences so it doesn't mean that every decision that we make is going to be bang on then like we're we're still going to make decisions that we're going to make i have this big belief that we make the best decision we can in that moment with all the information that we have and and down the track i hear so many people go i made the wrong decision and actually you made the right decision at the time. It may not have panned out the way in which you thought it would, and it may mean that you need to shift from where you are or from that outcome, but at that particular point in time, I don't think anyone goes in going, I'm going to make the wrong decision. Definitely. <laughs> They're going in making the best decision that they can for where they are at that moment. And, and that's a great that point that you raised and a bit of bit of confidence that people can take out of if they're struggling with a decision at the moment. Everything's good in hindsight, isn't totally. it? Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Gosh. I guess that's a great segue into our next question. Tell us a little bit about the company you work for, Lululemon. Mm-hmm. What's its main goal and your current role at the company? Oh, that's a big question, Matt. Uh, what's its main goal? So Lululemon, first and foremost, sells activewear, sells incredibly technical activewear for what originated and was grounded in yoga all the way through now to uh, to run, to high sweat, low sweat, uh, and even now this office train commute um, capsule or, or piece of our business that we have. Uh, it's incredible, as I said, incredibly technical gear, um, incredible fabrications, uh, and 
something that I just I can't get past wearing now after having worn these incredible products for the last four and a half years. Uh, but but on top of that, it's a personal development, personal growth company that allows people to uh, really explore who they are, both in their job and, and external to their job, and uh, integrates life and work as one big thing. You know, we know that uh, a big thing I've been saying a lot recently is uh, it's in a lot of Lululemon uh, documentation is when life work work when life works work works and how the two tying together, it's not a separate, I don't go to work and, and shut off at five o'clock. Um, it's become part of my life. And uh, so it is very much a developmental company. And what you put in is what you get out. Uh, I work and all of our, our team members work very hard. Uh, and as a result, we can reap incredible rewards and, and benefits. And uh, I just, I know I work for a business where people want to see me be my best. Definitely. And with my short stint at Lulu, I feel like I was pushed to grow so much and find out things that I definitely didn't even want to want to recognise about myself in that, in that <laughs> point in time. Yes. But it's great and it, and it pushes you to be the best version of yourself, like you said. Absolutely. I wouldn't say that I've necessarily always been happy with the things I've discovered about myself whilst I've been at Lululemon, but it's been, uh, it's enabled me to grow more than I ever thought I possibly could. Excellent. Just a little backtrack, going off topic a little bit. You mentioned back in high school that you were studying a mixture of chemistry and performing <laughs> arts. Would you think that based on the science in the products at Lululemon now with the science and how they design the products mm. and their performing arts aspect that it ties in together? I think, it, I think it's, it's an interesting correlation you pulled together because I really don't talk a lot about what I studied at high school to anyone, so no one's really pulled that together. But that's definitely... Have, could be something that, ta- that I think has engaged me even more in the business. It definitely didn't bring me to the business uh, because to be honest with you, four and a half years ago, I didn't know how technical this product was. Uh, and I think that's one of our biggest opportunities, particularly in the Australian market with Lululemon, is people realizing how great our product is uh, because I know I didn't, but now I'm here uh, in the business. Yeah, I think the correlation's really, really cool and really interesting. Definitely the performing arts. There are a number of us that used to perform in this business. Um, we have nicknamed it sometimes the dancer's graveyard <laughs> um, because we've all ended up at Lululemon, still wearing stretchy pants, still high kicking our way around our stores. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting correlation and, and potentially, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And what brought you to Lululemon? Uh, okay, well, that's a story. Uh, I Straight out of high school, I actually worked for Sports Girl. It uh, was one of my... One of my, f- I have had a few jobs while I was at high school. I like to pack it all in, like to be busy. <laughs> and I worked at Sports Girl, loved it. Australian fashion brand, incredible brand. I spent 12 years there. Yeah. And at 28, I realized I had long service leave, uh, which not many people do have at 28. And then actually my mum got unwell uh, at the time. And so it was a combination of that life's too short mentality that I mentioned before of, uh, she was unwell and what does that mean and am I really doing everything I want to do in my life and I'm 28 and I've been with the one company for a long time and I wasn't unhappy and often people say the best time to leave a job is when you're happy and you're not leaving on a bad note or on a bitter note and, and I was never unhappy in that business and so it just came to a point where I had to make a big decision to take a leap into something new so I started looking around for other roles I'd enrolled in my Cert 4 in personal training so I was looking for jobs that aligned with that. 
uh, but I was also looking for jobs with businesses that I believed in and I believed in their product and I believed in what they stood for. And as much as I didn't know too much about Lululemon, I knew the feeling that I got when I read about the business and went into the store and, and how it correlated back with where I was taking my career in, in the fitness industry. Uh, so I found it. I remember shopping in Chadston and buying a cool racerback, a stripy cool racerback, uh, and saying to myself, you know, this is definitely a business that I want to be in and ended up going through a lengthy recruitment process to find the right role. I actually applied for the regional manager role back then and I wasn't successful. And when they offered me a store role, my ego took over and I basically told them to stick their job. And I just thought I was better than a store manager. I'd been a regional manager at Sports Girl for over three years and I thought that that was where I was, where I should be. Uh, and the recruitment manager at the time, Nicole, uh, we laugh about this story because she just kept coming back and kept coming back and then one day came back and said, are you sure? And I changed my tune. I can't actually remember what made me change my tune, uh, but I changed and I came on board to open the Emporium store four and a half years ago as the store manager. So two weeks in the role and then opened the doors of a new store, <laughs> which was full on. Talk us through yeah. the emotions going through your brain when you firstly said no to the, <laughs> to the role then until opening the doors of Emporium. Uh, when I said no to the role, I was, it was an, as I said, it was an ego trip. It was, I'm better than that. I have been a store manager, I am not going to do it again, and what's everyone going to think? What's everyone going to think that I'm going to leave three and a bit years of being a regional manager with Sports Girl in Queensland and in Victoria, and uh, I just, yeah, I just thought I was better, basically. Uh, and then when Nicole got me across the line, as I said, I'm not sure how, I remember going to a panel interview with about five people in the office, and by that stage I was like, I have had enough. Like either you guys think that I'm right for this role and I think I'm right for this role or what am I doing here because I've met with you guys so many times and uh, and it just proved to be right because then I wasn't nervous. I was really confident in my own ability uh, and really confident what I could put on the table for this business and then they could be confident in me and they were getting honest me. And so then they offered me the role and I came on board and <laughs> opening the doors was was great you know that feeling if anyone's ever opened their own store or uh, or a business in general and that first day of opening the doors and that beautiful shiny new store and that beautiful product and being the flagship store in Melbourne City and the flagship store basically for Australia and New Zealand uh, it just it was a phenomenal feeling and what followed that was a year of really hard work and, and probably my toughest year uh, in in my professional career uh, I didn't perform uh, I, yeah, I wasn't performing, I wasn't showing up for my team, I wasn't delivering on the expectations that the business wanted. Uh, when I said before, when life works, work works, my personal life wasn't working, my relationship uh, was breaking down. And so that whole year just turned into a bit of a turbulent mess. Uh, so yeah, it was a, a big learning curve for me. And so that ego that I had in the beginning around me being too good really I had the realisation that potentially I wasn't too good for a store manager role and I had some big realisations and learnings to have in that time. Great. And it's awesome that you're realising that looking back uh, oh, now, yeah. isn't it? And I'm very, I'm very open and honest, obviously, as you can hear, the, uh, to talk about it because I believe in, in authenticity and that's definitely... I've always been a pretty authentic person. If you ask anyone, you can read on my face what's going on. Definitely. <laughs> Even that response from you proved it. It's a Definitely. great thing though. It's great. Uh, and I didn't realise the benefit of authenticity until being at Lululemon. 
uh, we speak about vulnerability and authenticity so much and and I'm not saying that that wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, welcomed in any of my previous roles or uh, relationships or anything like that but it's definitely prominent at Lululemon and we talk about the benefit and bringing you know bringing your whole self to work uh, I'm currently reading that book hence why the plug uh, <laughs> so um, I, I I really I really appreciate, I really acknowledge, I know the benefit of authentic, vulnerable shares. And if I don't share that journey, people aren't going to learn from what I went through. And my team saw it. Ask anyone that worked in the Emporium team between that time frame, they saw it, they saw me going through it. And if you ask anyone from that following year after that, they saw me come out the other side and really make shifts in, in my own performance. So, uh, so, yeah. And it shaped you into the amazing person you are today. Thank you. Uh, it definitely shaped, yeah, it definitely shaped my journey. And, and I said, it's enabled me to use that when anyone else is going through something similar. I can really share my experience and, and not tell them how to do it, but share how I did it. Yeah. Uh, and I have to credit a lot of that to the team that I had around me. I had an incredible team of people working in that store who stood for me and didn't let me fall and didn't let me, they let me stumble, but didn't let me fall to the point of um, not being able to complete it. And they told me that they could see that I could do it, but they needed to see me do it. Excellent. Good on you, Sophie. Talk us through some of the opportunities that Lululemon has given you. Oh, uh, well, first of all, I've been to Vancouver four times. <laughs> I'd never been to Vancouver before. Uh, that's a pretty cool city, isn't it? Uh, I definitely think they call it the Melbourne of, of Canada. Uh, so I've had incredible opportunities to travel. So four leadership conferences in Vancouver and, and actually my first year of leadership conference, I was sent in that turbulent year. They even sent me to Seattle to do store manager training with one of the high volume stores in Seattle. So seeing another city I'd never seen before. Wow. Uh, so that was incredible opportunities of travel and, and connection and relationship that I've been able to build across the board. Uh, and the opportunity to go and travel the world now and walk into any Lululemon and know that I can connect with the team about you know, whether it is their store, but also about their local studios and what's going on in their town or their city. Uh, the opportunity to, I led vision and goal coaching for the collective magazine. Like when wow. Lisa had the, connect, the collective magazine um, open and, and running uh, she had a series of uh, goal setting events in Melbourne and Sydney I believe and, and we had one down here beginning of last year and I was given the opportunity to run the goals portion which you know was pretty was a pretty big deal for me I love the vision and goals portion of Lululemon it's one of my favorite parts ask my team uh, it, it really fills me up and to be able to take that to People that had bought tickets to this collective event were hearing from incredible people like um, Minaj, who's an incredible uh, meditation um, leader or instructor, and, and to hear from Sarah Holloway and about her career. And then for me to lead the, lead the goals portion was just an incredible experience. Amazing. Uh, and to have my peers there as well. Uh, and then just the opportunity to attract, hire, develop, train, lead promote incredible staff members like the people that I've come across in this business at a next level uh, and not just our store teams not just our SSE our store support center team but but my ambassador bench uh, the ambassadors I have across the um, Victorian and Tasmanian region they're incredible people they're ex-Olympians they're business owners they're out there developing themselves they're trying to develop the world they're trying to elevate the people around them and, and that 
it's incredibly inspiring to work alongside those people. So the opportunities I've had just to be in the midst of those people is next level. Amazing. And for anyone that doesn't know, the ambassador is creating the connection between Lululemon and the whole world, really, the isn't community. it? community, yeah. yeah. Instead, of, instead of having one major superstar repping our brand, we our stores are given the ability to choose local heroes, local sports people, business owners, personal trainers, uh, group fitness instructors, people that inspire and light them up to be their store ambassadors. So to work in conjunction with them to create incredible events, to develop their community, we support them, they support us. And God, some of the people that, yeah, as I said, some of the people I have on my bench, I, I was actually presenting to them on Monday and I looked at them and went, I'm kind of intimidated by this group. Uh, and I don't get too intimidated too often, but it's an incredible group. So between my team, uh, the greater business and, and the ambassador bench, I've been very lucky to come across these people. Amazing. We sort of fast forward a little bit. Let's talk about your transition from leading the Emporium store to mm. now your role yeah, as cool. a, a regional manager. So like I said, first year at Emporium, not so great. Second year at Emporium, I would say best year of my life. Uh, I've said that so many times, it definitely is. Uh, it was fulfilling and I was happy and I had an incredible team and we laughed so much, uh, so, so much. Um, my assistant manager was phenomenal. She kept me tied down uh, because when I, my natural state is I love the connection, the fun, the frivolity. I love uh, I love being with my people, which can sometimes mean I get very distracted. Uh, so I had an incredible assistant manager in Tia who tied me back down and said that we needed to get the work done at the same time. And I fully believe and fully stand by surrounding yourself with the right people that compliment you. So she definitely did that for me. And so it came to the role became available. Uh, the person that was in uh, the regional manager role at the time, Alex, uh, got promoted in the business. And so the role came up and there, again, like I said, leaving Sports Girl, there was that piece of, I'm really happy right now. Do I want this? And and I did. I definitely, it was the initial reason why I came to Lululemon was to be uh, the regional manager. And so I came up with a very creative application uh, from some help from some friends because uh, Lululemon's all about creativity as well. Definitely. And I put it out there and ended up interviewing for the role and was successful in the role, which meant that I took on the Victorian region at the time. I didn't actually have Hobart. Uh, so the process was was fun. I was definitely nervous, but I was also very content where I was. So it wasn't like if I don't get it, it's going to be the end of the world. Uh, if I if I got it, I was actually going to be quite sad to leave my, leave my team at Emporium. Uh, but I was successful and ended up taking on the Victorian region, which at the time was, let me count correctly, 10 stores. Yeah. Um, Where are you at currently? Sorry, yeah, 10 stores. God, I can't count. Um, that's <laughs> terrible. Uh, I then, about six months later, had Hobart come into my region, so made it 11. Um, so grateful. I love love having that state, that, that story in my team. And uh, then I've recently just opened two, two new pop-ups. So uh, the Geelong store opened back in August, uh, which made it 12, and then Albert Park recently, which made it 13. Wow. Yeah. And... Talk us through some of your roles and responsibilities of mm. directing these stores. Uh, I put it down to my job is to work for my 12 store managers. So I have 13 stores, but 12 managers. I've got one store manager who oversees two businesses. Uh, my role is to work for them. So I'm their coach, their developer, their support network. I lead them and inspire them through letting them run their own business. So I basically give them a business and say, 
do what you need to do with this business to create the results that you need to create. Uh, and as, as I said before, whatever you put in, you'll get out. So the harder you work or, or the more, uh, the smarter you work, I should say, you, and what you put into that business, you will reap the benefits of. And, and I'm here to help you get there through leveraging my experience of what I've done right and what I've done wrong uh, and here to develop you as a whole person. So I talk to my store managers about their stores, about, yes, the financial aspect. We're a retail business, so about the financial aspect, but about their product management, about their team development, uh, and about them as a person. So the manager, about their vision and goals, where they want to go, their relationships, their whatever's going on in their world. And I just love it. I love being that for 12 people, and, and knowing that I work for them, knowing that their success uh, rides on my support and development of them. Awesome. And you're definitely thriving in the role at the moment. Full yeah, of beans. <laughs> thriving. Some, some days I get up and I'm like, am I? Am I thriving? I don't really know. <laughs> uh, but my managers, again, are my pulse check. Like I, I check in with them to see whether they're getting what they need. And uh, that 360 feedback is something that you know, at first is quite intimidating. But to go to, your, to go to your team and ask them if they're getting from you what they need uh, and for them to give you an honest answer uh, and not just asking the ones that you think are going to give you the, the, the good answer, but asking the ones that are going to tell you that, hey, I need this or I'm not getting this or this is where I'm getting stuck. Um, the challenging ones are just as important because I've got to grow in my role. Otherwise, I become stagnant if I'm just playing in the areas that I'm super confident. It leaves you very vulnerable as well. Oh, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And my team know that. They know that I'm vulnerable. They'll know that I, I'll share with them. And they'll know that I will admit if I don't know something. Uh, and I haven't always been like that. Definitely early 20s, even mid-20s, I would try to get the right answer. would think that uh, knowledge is power in the sense of like having to know the right answer. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think there's power in the vulnerability of sharing where you don't know and where you need to go and find out. That's a great yeah. point. I think some listeners can take some key points out of that. Yeah. Statement you just said. Yeah. I, and it's not always easy. It's, it's definitely not easy to admit that you don't know something or that you need to go and find it out. But I'm not I'm human and I'm not perfect. And I, I'm also under the full... Uh, expectation of myself that I'm developing leaders that are smarter than me and going to be better at my role when they get here because how are we going to grow this business if I just recruit people that are the same as me or recruit people that aren't as smart as me which I don't actually think that exists because we can put in as much effort as we want Uh, but my belief is that these 12 managers are going to learn more, be stronger in their roles than I was in a store manager role. And therefore, when they get to the regional manager state and capacity, they will be able to um, do more, take on more or do it differently to me. We have to grow. Otherwise, the business is stagnant. Definitely. Awesome. I guess that leads into my next question about how has working with the company enabled you to grow both as a person and then looking back on a business side of it? Personally, I have taken away the lesson of the power of choice. Uh, choice was a big one for me initially. Uh, it was a practice of ours as a business that uh, you have the power of choice in any moment. And so so much of my vocabulary was, oh, I, I don't have a choice in that, I have to do that. Uh, so I've really learned that I have a choice in every moment. I have a choice to work where I wanna work and I have a choice to do whatever I wanna do with my time. And, and it's just made me look at the practice of choice very differently. It's made me look at my language and my vocabulary different differently uh, it has enabled me to articulate my goals and where I want to be in life and the things that I want in life 
and be really clear on that and not feel like that's selfish and not feel like that's something that other people don't care about. Uh, as a business, uh, it's definitely, as, well, as I was speaking about before, it's definitely enabled me to bring in all my knowledge of, of retail and what I've developed over what is now 16 years in the retail game. It's enabled me to fine tune that and hone in on that, but really tie it back to people and personal development. Uh, and yeah, just like grow my role even more. Uh, I, I'm able to like comp on myself every day and every year by adding more in. I've also been able to, particularly one big thing about coming to Lululemon was working for a global business. So I'm, I'm able to reach out to people on the other side of the world and stepping out of sports girl, that was definitely one thing that I wanted was to look at a business that spanned across the world and, and potentially could mean that I could go and work on the other side of the world one day. Uh, so it's enabled me to build relationships with different people and to just grow my understanding of what's possible out of my role. Uh, I think a lot of people have one idea of what a career in retail is and I like busting the myth that retail is not just the job that you have when you walk out of high school and you're trying to decide what to do. Uh, retail is has been and still is a, a thriving career for me. Definitely. Awesome. We're going to backtrack a little bit to vulnerability. We yep. dove right into that. Do you have any tips for some listeners that may be trying to expand, them, grow themselves as persons but are struggling with the vulnerability side? What are some tips for people how to become vulnerable and how to be good at being vulnerable? Oh, um, it's it's a topic (laughs) and I've been in, as I said, I've been in these conversations all the time and uh, the first thing that needs to come with vulnerability is trust and I need to trust the people around me have my back per se uh, and are supporting me to enable me to be vulnerable. Being vulnerable when you're uncomfortable and you don't trust the people that you're being vulnerable with is not a nice experience. Uh, And actually, I don't think truly is authentically vulnerable in that situation. So for me, it's ensuring that the people that you're being vulnerable with or starting to be vulnerable with are people that want to see you succeed, want to see you happy, and you know that there's that mutual trust and there's that rapport built between the two of you. Uh, and that rapport is built through connection. It's built through relationship. Uh, so being vulnerable with like friends or family or a partner or a work colleague that is someone that you already are in a close relationship with. Um, and in saying that, it, it isn't easy. You don't just go, okay, this person I, I trust and I can totally be vulnerable with them. But um, I think another word for vulnerability for me is honesty. And when I came in to Lululemon, vulnerability was a more foreign word than honesty was. Uh, so it was just, how do I bring honesty to all of my relationships? How do I share when I'm uncomfortable? Uh, even down to when I'm in a conversation, now I'll often share if I've got uh, chills or a body sensation or that knot in your stomach or that knot in your throat. And for me, that vulnerability started to come in the form of sharing things like that. Uh, I, you can, as I said, you can see everything on me. So you can see my fist clench or my teeth clench or my eyes well up when something's affecting me. Uh, and I'm really, uh, I, I really take pride now in sharing what's going on for me. So people know, uh, and that's where my vulnerability comes from in being able to share like, this is making me really emotional or, uh, this makes me feel a bit uneasy in the stomach or I've got butterflies. Um, so I would start with the practice of, of honesty 
and starting with people that you trust and you know care about you and want to see you at your best. Amazing. They're fantastic tips that all the listeners can take great points out of. Thanks for sharing that with us, Sophie. Uh, let's talk about your best experience while being at Lulu. I know, looking at your Instagram page, it's all <laughs> cold brew coffees in New York City at the moment. <laughs> Other than the coffees, what's the best experience for you oh, at Lulu, if you could narrow it down to one? Best experience? I, I can't narrow it down to one. I don't think that would be fair on anyone. <laughs> uh, I would say that leading the Emporium team slash leading my store manager bench right now is the best experience I could ever have. Wow. Uh, and, you know, I can look back on a night that we celebrated uh, the Emporium store at one of um, the team members' apartments and we just we got like 100 grilled burgers and <laughs> drank wine and, and ate burgers and had a fire and toasted marshmallows and just that connection between the team, like a team that wanted to spend time around each other. And then my store manager bench, um, where we just, everyone stands for each other and wants to see each other succeed. That's the best experience I could possibly have. And it comes in so many shapes and forms. It comes in, you know, this party here or this coffee here or um, this sweat date here. And sweat dates are when we go to studios and we do a class together, whether it's yoga or F45 or uh, whatever it might be, but that's a sweat date. (laughs) <laughs> anyone that wasn't sure uh, and it just comes in so many shapes and forms but that connection that relationship I had with that team at Emporium and my store manager bench right now is the best experience I've ever had that just shows the person you are being so modest about all the amazing experiences you've had personally traveling and things like that oh yeah to pinpoint that as a, your best experience is amazing so good on you yeah Sophie. yeah like I was actually gonna say last year as store managers and I went out for uh, like a breezy brunch to celebrate Christmas and a couple of us spent eight hours together on that day and it involved grilled again so there's something about grilled there's something about coffee um, and wine and wine that tends to don't say that right now I'm not drinking for 12 weeks so I can't even think about wine um, coffee's all I've got uh, so yeah there's something about grilled but just it's just that connection and a lot of that travel to Vancouver has been with my store managers uh, or with the store manager bench when I was one of their peers so yeah it always involves those people Awesome. Now, Sophie, tell us about your role at F45 and why group training for you? Okay, so I, as I said, did my Cert 4 in fitness when I started at Lululemon, so I was doing that part-time in my first six months. Crazy. (laughs) And I actually did my placement at Good Life in Port Melbourne, and I was supporting with the uh, challenge that they had going on at the time. I loved training the group. I found it really fulfilling. And so I took a bar for a while in a bar studio in Port Melbourne and then I gave that up and then I was like, oh, I'm still itching to do group fitness. And so I approached one of our ambassadors uh, at F45 at Port Melbourne and to be honest with you, was petrified. I wasn't sure if I was going to be good enough. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was going to laugh in my face and say, you're not right to be a group fitness instructor or uh, I created all the stories in my head and I sat down and said that I wanted to do it and I think he was a bit shocked. And I said I'd work at any of his studios. He owned a number at the time, well, and still does, and, and owned a number. And I said I'd work at any of them. And I got a call from uh, Tyson, the studio manager at Ascot Bale, and ended up, started at Ascot Bale almost two years ago now, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I love it because I can develop, I can see people's potential, and I can develop their potential similarly to how I do it at Lululemon in the gym through at F45 through exercise. You know, that, that, a client that comes in and has never done a push-up and to see them do their first push-up or their first box jump or 
like that is cool and it's the same of when I see a manager you know hire great people and have that first win with their first hire or uh, training and developing or goal setting for their team it's the same thing and <laughs> the way I describe it is a group fitness I could I just yell at them yeah. um, I don't <laughs> yell at anyone at <laughs> uh, but at F45 I definitely do ask my clients uh, so I find it's a very similar mentality it fills me up the same way that Lululemon does because I get to see people developing into their full potential and that's why I'm in the role that I am as well yeah Awesome. So cool. It is fulfilling knowing that you played a part in people's progression. Totally. And in so many aspects of their life. And, and to be able to talk, I love, you know, you actually just had uh, my one of my past coaches on one of your podcasts in Christy. And uh, to be able to be that person for someone like she was for me, where you have someone who can develop you physically in the fitness space and teach you how to do that box jump, but also then check on your headspace and find out what's going on there and, and manage the whole person. And um, I, I definitely had that in Christy. And that's what I love about having a coach. And I love to be that for other people. And so I get to bring that into F45 and be like, what's going on for you today? And what's happened? And, uh, you know, how do we make sure that that doesn't come into your workout? Or how do you make sure you separate that? Or how do you make sure that you deal with it? So, yeah, it's really cool. Excellent. Christy actually inspired me to reshape the way I train and and take a more holistic approach. I was doing a holistic approach, but I was only focusing on the fitness and nutrition and not really taking into account the other factors. And they're the things that make you grow, aren't they? Absolutely. Like she was a big advocate for me around my stress and my sleep. Uh, I can be a stress head uh, because I have always told myself I'm a perfectionist where I've just learned that perfectionism is a, a prettier word for procrastination. And um, so as a result, I, I cause myself unnecessary stress a lot of the time and, and I don't sleep a lot. And Hence you know, the coffees. Sh- <laughs> Hence the coffees. I don't know if they do much anyway. Uh, and she's really taught me about what it means to have all of those things in check. You can have your training and nutrition in check, but there were times when I was training myself into the ground and my results weren't great. Uh, because I'm giving myself five hours of sleep a night and I'm stressing out to the max. So where's the balance coming in? And she's a very big advocate for balance. Definitely. If you haven't listened to episode 10 of the podcast, go back and listen to that with Christy Lee Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't couldn't plug the episode. Sorry, guys. Now I can. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that, Zoe. Talk us about how you juggle both jobs and Mm. give some time management skills for the listeners these days. So Lululemon is definitely my full-time job. I wouldn't take on F45 if I didn't think I could manage it around it. Uh, And I'm definitely casual at F45. I'm not full-time there. I work uh, when my availability permits. So I plan, I definitely forward plan my role at Lululemon. So I sit down at the beginning of every year and plan out my year. I sit down every quarter and, and plan out my my quarter, plan out my months. And I'm constantly in the work of, obviously with 13 businesses, identifying where I need to be at what time. So if 45 is something closer to the time, more of the short term, I'm able to give my studio manager my availability and and choose my shifts around that. Uh, It's very much about planning. It's very much about using my calendar, finding out what works for you. Uh, I don't use the, like, iCal on my phone. I definitely use my work Outlook calendar to plan out my life and block out time and I got, uh, it was last year, um, Trevor, who works for the Lululemon business, really spoke to me about planning time to plan time. So giving myself those days to plan out my my years, my months, my weeks, uh, but also 
blocking in time to get stuff done. So putting in that hour of the day to uh, organize my personal finances or putting in that hour of the day to um, catch up on reading store manager, store manager evaluations, whatever it might be. But I use my calendar like nothing else. You can ask anyone that deals with me, they go, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, I'll have to look at my calendar because it's all there, it's all documented. And I wouldn't say it's restrictive. I don't feel like I'm tied down. I don't feel like I am being managed by my calendar. I've created it and I've created what works for me. Uh, I wouldn't say I do the best job all the time, but like I said, at the time I've made the best decision for what I know. And then in hindsight, I go, okay, that maybe didn't work. Like finishing that event at 11 o'clock at night and then putting a 6 a.m. class in in the morning or, or teaching at 5 a.m. is probably not the smartest, smartest thing to yeah. do. Uh, but I tend to put my availability into the F45 team uh, for you know a couple of blocks of shifts a week. Uh, I love teaching on the weekends. A lot of people are like, but you don't necessarily get a day off if you teach both weekends. But I actually love the freedom that I get to go and teach and then have the rest of my day. Um, that doesn't that doesn't worry me. Uh, I'm not you know going out on a Saturday night to 3 a.m. anymore, and not that I've done that for a very long time. Uh, and then worried about you know, being at work on a Sunday morning, I actually like having that uh, happening on the weekend. I do it because I love it. And yeah, I think if that helps anyone find what works for you to manage your time. So like I said, my Outlook calendar is what works for me. And yeah, trying to stick to that, learning from what makes me feel good, taking those lessons back for the next time I'm, I'm planning into my calendar. Um, and acknowledging where I've hit that burnout phase and gone, okay, this isn't working for me now and how do I do this? And asking for support. I'm not a big one for asking for support. It's probably one of my biggest, um, one of my biggest downfalls is I don't necessarily go out there and say, hey, this isn't working or I need some help with this. Uh, I feel like I have uh, to keep my integrity with people and um, to hold up my end of the bargain. But sometimes what I've learned through Lululemon is integrity is not about just pushing myself to um, a complete burnout. It's about before the fact, maybe saying to you know my studio manager, can I move this shift? Or saying to, I actually said it to my team this week, can I extend the buy when, which is what we call deadlines at Lululemon, can I extend the buy when on this to this date so I've got some more time to get it done? Um, and if they were to say, no, I need it by this date, fine, I can rearrange my calendar. But just asking for that support, most of the time people are gonna say yes, they wanna help you. Uh, so I've really just worked out how to ask for support use my calendar um, and only do things that really make me happy. People ask a lot, does F45 make you happy? I'm like, yes. They're like, okay, we'll keep doing it. If my answer is ever no, then I need to look at, same with my job at Lululemon. If I was ever unhappy, I need to look at what I'm doing because it's not okay to just sit there and be unhappy. Awesome. That's amazing points that you raised there, Sophie. Uh, I understand that your role at Lulu enables you to travel quite frequently, as you mentioned before. How do you manage this and what's your nutrition like when you're on the go so frequently? Um, I actually find that it's my nutrition the last couple of years has been great. I have really acknowledged that the better my nutrition, the better I feel. My skin looks, I feel, my body feels, my training feels. Uh, So travel, it's a small part of my role, but it's definitely there. I find that if I have good habits at home, I have good habits when I travel. I'm looking for good habits when I travel. Uh, and so at home, I, I eat very well. I eat a good amount of my veggies, um, my protein, some good fats. Like I've, I've got that balance pretty, pretty dialed. Like I said, I probably need to sleep more. That's 
more where I need the work um, and hydrate more. But when I'm traveling, I look for those same things like, because I find that's a good like, um, like tie back to my normal life. If I'm in an environment that I'm not super familiar with, if I'm eating like I'm super familiar with my normal life, then I feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, and I love traveling too. So I'm not going to stop that. Uh, I'm just going to find ways around it. So last year, actually last year was a funny one. I went to Vancouver for a conference and I was actually doing the same challenge that I'm doing now where I'm uh, heavily managed in how I'm eating. So everything's being weighed. Um, my five meals a day are being weighed down to the gram. And so in my suitcase last year to Vancouver were scales and proteins and supplements. And then I went to Whole Foods when I got to Vancouver and, and bought some stuff uh, and had it all in my hotel room. I looked like I don't know what was going on. I called room service and said, can I have a bowl and a knife and a spoon? <laughs> um, they were like, okay, uh, sure, I don't know what for, but here you go. And, and then I ensured that my training matched him with that. I had one store manager who trains very similar to me in the gym. So her and I were up in the mornings finding a gym in Vancouver to go and train at. Uh, the funniest moment was when I was in Hobart and I was in the airport coming back and I was on this same challenge and in my protein shaker I had mashed pumpkin protein powder and spinach don't ask me why uh, <laughs> so weird uh, and that was for a specific goal when I'm not on this challenge I just I eat I just try to eat well and you can find good options everywhere Excellent. I was in Thailand last year and you know, on Koh Tao, it was just finding places that had good options of good veggies. And uh, I tend to carry protein powder with me wherever I go, um, not being a meat eater. Uh, to get my protein, it's very easy to carry protein powder and, and just have that if I'm finding fresh fruit and vegetables everywhere I go. Excellent. And when did the plant-based journey begin for you? Uh, so, well, I would say seven years ago, I turned vegetarian and that was a split second decision. And I can thank Edgar's Mission for that. If you don't know about Edgar's Mission and you love animals, oh my God, Google them. Uh, Definitely the place to be. Oh my God, it just, it's the happiest place in the world. And seven years ago, I went to an open day they had at Carlton Gardens or Princess Gardens. And I wandered in there by myself and I saw a pig sitting and they were doing like, they were showing him to people that had probably never seen a pig like that. And uh, they had a few people there speaking, including Peter Siddle, I believe, was speaking on that day. And at the time, I'd never met Anna, uh, so I didn't know too much about them either. But to hear people speak about animals the way they did was incredible. And I walked out of that day with a vegan cupcake in my hand from Mr. Nice Guys, I think it was, and trotted down the street uh, towards my car and rang my mum and I said, I'm going vegetarian. And she was like, okay. Uh, she wasn't surprised when I was three years old. I said to her, what are we having for dinner? And she said, a leg of lamb. And I said, how does the lamb walk around with three legs? And she said, do you really want to know? And I said, no, I don't. I don't want to know. So I have a feeling that from a very young age, I was aware that something wasn't right in my head. So yeah, seven years ago, I went vegetarian. My partner at the time, six months later, went the same. Awesome. Vegetarian was a very easy shift for me. It was not hard. I didn't miss anything about eating meat. Uh, and I never have since. Uh, and then the plant-based journey began beginning of last year uh, when I started to consider whether that was something I could go down. And I love listening to Linda speak to you about the difference between being plant-based and being vegan because really I would say that my decision came from um, that vegan mindset. I've stopped purchasing leather. I've looked at other alternatives, working in a fashion industry previously and um, 
you know, liking getting dressed up and, and having nice things, I also know there are incredible alternatives these days. We live in a pretty incredible world where we've developed some um, great alternatives. So for me, it's looking at how I can live more of a vegan lifestyle. And uh, I would say that my biggest passion is around uh, vegan cosmetics. Uh, and I don't believe that anything should have to suffer for the way in which I want to look. And when I read, I will never forget reading the back of one of the cruelty-free books around the three tests that they do on animals, and I was hysterical. Um, yeah, if you can if you can handle it, read it. I can't handle any of the animal-based documentaries, so you know, reading this was enough for me. But I remember I read the back of this and went, okay, I cannot use something that something has gone through that to get to to enable me to wear that product. Definitely, and it's 2018, so you mentioned there is. Heaps oh. of op- uh, opportunities and um, <laughs> options. Yes. That's the word I was looking that's for a, there. That's the word. I was like, where <laughs> are you going? Options, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and cheap. Definitely. Like, really cheap. Like, if you look through that cruelty-free book and you go into Priceline, and, and at first I had that book out, and I love – I use a book more than I use an app. And I opened that book, and I was going through all the brands. And, like, brands like Maisha and Anoxa and Australis, like, they're all recognised cruelty-free brands. And they cost next to nothing. And do you know what? I'm happy with the way I look when I put them on my skin or, or yeah, on my body. And I just, I, I was spending a lot of money on products that were doing harm to animals. And, and now I'm using products that are not and saving myself the cash. Uh, but yes, it's 2018. We have, you know, there are so many terrible things in this world, yes. And there are so many fantastic things in the progression that we've made around products that um, don't harm anything in the making. Definitely. And you touched on before about Peter Siddle being a plant-based athlete, and he's definitely thriving at the top. Yeah. Uh, so there's really no excuse for us that we can't thrive as an everyday person. No. How do you feel that being plant-based has enabled you to thrive in your role? Uh, I have definitely never eaten this many veggies in my entire life. <laughs> uh, ask, my, ask my family. I hated broccoli growing up. Now I can't get enough of the stuff. Uh, it it's is just, oh, my God, it's the best. The best, best, best. Um, and I would probably go through, someone said to me, how much do you go through? I'm like, I could do a bunch of broccolini every single day very easily in, in the amount of food that I eat. But it's, yeah, I definitely am healthier because I make, it enables me to make healthier choices. It actually enables me to say no to those bad foods that I, I can't eat because I've made that decision. I shouldn't say can't, that I won't eat because uh, I've made that decision. Uh, it's, you definitely have to, what I've learned is I have to be more educated. And again, with Christy being my trainer, she was like, I've never really investigated the uh, plant-based diet, uh, especially on a challenge like I was doing last year, but it definitely took some investigation. So if you just go, I'm going to go plant-based and you actually have no understanding about where you need to get your nutrients from, yeah, it can really throw your body out of whack. Uh, so that knowledge, and I think a lot of people that go plant-based are doing it for a specific reason, whether that be ethical reasons, whether that be um, environmental. So they are willing to do the research and understand what's going to fuel them. Uh, but I feel lighter, I feel brighter, I feel healthier, uh, and I am constantly learning about what products are appearing out there that are going to support my nutrition. Uh, 
I tend to use really uh, accredited professionals. I love the team. I'm going to drop Evelyn Fay in there at Evelyn Fay in South Melbourne and the city because they're people that I can walk in and go, I really need this. So, for example, not having a gallbladder, um, that ability to break down fats was a big uh, concern last year during my challenge because I was on a high-fat, low-carb diet at the time and I walked in there and was like, okay, what do I need? Because this supplement has ox bile in it and I don't want to have that because you know it's coming from animals so is there something else that you can recommend and um, usually those guys are, are pretty knowledgeable around what I can be having to support and sustain my performance. Excellent so yeah amazing definitely thriving at the moment and I guess you're making that connection between all things whether it's connecting with yourself about what your body really needs mm-hmm. or connecting with the animals yep. which leads into my next question about working in both roles at Lulu and F45 requires you to make connections and real connections with mm. lots of different people. What does it mean to create a meaningful connection to you? Uh, it means to honestly want to know that person and who they are and what they stand for and that being reciprocated by them. Uh, so for me, connection is is two-way and I think I said earlier it's about building that rapport between two people or, or multiple people uh, and for me it's that care factor. It's bringing a, a listening ear to who that person is and really taking that in and if I go into that conversation or, or go into that meeting wanting to connect with that person, I actually need to deliver on my promise of um, listening to them and hearing who they are and, and building relationships. So awesome. it, it's the thing that fills me up. Like I've, I've mentioned so many times, you know, my biggest wins or my biggest uh, areas of um, celebration in my past roles have all come from the people and it comes from the connection, the relationship that I have. Fantastic. And I know myself, the benefits that I've made from being able to connect truly and Mm. and the connections I've made are unbelievable I wouldn't have met you Mm. without making a connection with you and I feel like if people can really learn how to make meaningful connections it's going to make them thrive as as people Mm -hmm. what are some of the benefits of connecting with different people that you've experienced oh gosh it's taught me so much like I have met people from different sides of the world or realized that that person is way closer to me than I actually thought they were. We, you know, we say it's six degrees of separation, but now with social media, it's about two degrees. So it's enabled me to you know, acknowledge that that person actually knows that person who I knew 10 years ago or, or has enabled me to meet people like, like you said, like you in the store who, you know, once you're a stranger and, and now I know so much about you and what you're up to and um, where you want to go from here. And uh, it's just, it, I mean, it's expanded my horizon. I, I wouldn't necessarily be at, at Lululemon or definitely not F45 if I hadn't made connections with those people. Uh, and for me, what comes into it is I like connecting with people to see how I can support them. Um, there's definitely that. I think that's where the maternal instinct goes is the desire to support people. And uh, so I go into a connection to go like, what do you, what do you need and, and who can I be for you? And if that's just someone to listen and, and hear who you are, uh, then great. And if that's because you're stuck in a certain area and, and you need support, well, what can I do to then support you in that? Uh, so it just, it's, it, what, it's what gets me up in the morning and it's what sends me to bed at night going like, I feel, I feel good about, who I've met today and what I've learned from them uh, and it keeps me growing and learning. Amazing. And do you have some tips for the listeners on how to step out of their comfort zones and make that first connection and what does that look like for for someone? Uh, The first thing I would say is just step out of your comfort zone uh, (laughs) because there's no way to 
I don't think there's any way, I've never felt that there's a way to not feel the slightly anxious tummy or I'm going to meet that person for the first time. And we're Lululemon, my job is to go into fitness studios and meet instructors and meet owners of studios. And sometimes I'm like, this this person's incredible. Like they own all these fitness studios or, or they've got 100,000 followers on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, Instagram is one part of people's lives uh, and I let the, I can let that stuff get on top of me and, and really it's just biting the bullet and going that person is just a person at the end of the day and most of what you receive back from that person if you they feel like if you feel like they're a little bit blocked is their stuff we don't realize how many things are going on for each other and you know we're all the person that we all think about the most is ourselves so when you go in to connect with someone and they're a bit awkward usually there's something going on for them and they feel uncomfortable and and so again like i said earlier with vulnerability bring honesty bring openness uh i go in and share you know i i work at lululemon and i want to get to know you guys and what you're doing here and they might go what's lululemon and i'm like cool i'll tell you or um i, I want to talk to you about your business or your clients or you know, even at Lululemon, we product test people, and which means that we want to get our gear on people to try to test and to see how it performs when they're in the gym or in a yoga class. And that can be a super awkward connection because you're walking up to someone saying, hey, I want to give you this piece of product to try. And they go, huh? Like, no one gets anything for free. And in those situations, it's just explaining why and explaining who I am and why I want to do it. And uh, I would just say, you, until you start doing it and you start connecting, even the most confident of people have that, oh, this is a bit awkward. I'm going to go and talk to that person for the first time and I've never done it. Uh, so it kind of comes down to dating as well, which is <laughs> kind of another part of my life. But that um, that slight uncomfortableness, but then it's kind of exciting at the yeah, same time. Definitely. Yeah. That actually reminds me of when I was first doing my training at Lululemon, we were on the floor for the first time. I was so nervous. Oh. My palms are sweating. Oh. had all the butterflies in my stomach and I circled this, these two poor girls for about five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it was horrible. And they're looking back they're like, what are you doing? And yeah. I was trying to build up the courage to go say, hi, this is my first day. Blah, yeah. blah. But once I did it, it yeah. just flowed from there. And I feel like the hardest part is making yourself vulnerable, as you mentioned before, and really just accepting that those feelings are real and, yeah. and acknowledging them. Yeah, I'm not afraid to look a bit silly sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and I call it out. Like, I'll say something and be like, oh, that sounded weird, uh, and call it out. Like, it, I, I used to carry it, and I still do sometimes carry this big thing of people are going to judge me for that. But at the end of the day, I'm just being me and I'm just being real, and that's all I can do. And yeah, on the floor, I find it's an interesting one, especially when I'm training people at Lululemon because I go, yeah, you might be uncomfortable. It's your first day and you know, all of you, you know, you're learning about all of these incredible products, but that person might be walking into this store for the first time. That's super intimidating for them. Uh, when I was working on the floor, my favorite place to be was at the front because I love to be the face to introduce someone. So, you know, when someone falls over and it's, you know, people laugh because they're uncomfortable and they don't know. I love being that person that goes, come on, get up. Like, I'll look after you. I'll, I'll scoop you up and I'll make you feel better. And I like to make people feel comfortable in the environment they're, they're in. So sometimes that can make me act like a bit of an idiot because it enables people to feel more comfortable, but uh, really just yeah, bringing that openness and honesty and, and saying like, you know, this is who I am and this is what I can do. And if you want to take advantage of that, great. And if you don't, that's cool. Excellent. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great point that you raised there, which sort of leads into my next question about conversation starters and people that are struggling to kick off the conversation and be vulnerable. What's a go-to that you use in your toolkit? 
really depends on where I'm at. So uh, if I'm in a studio and I want to meet an instructor or want to product test someone, it's usually like, I find if you do a fitness class, uh, this is what I think is like secret sauce at Lululemon, do a fitness class, either after a really high intensity workout, easiest way is looking at someone and going, we didn't die. <laughs> and then a yoga class, like looking at someone and really connecting around how amazing and, and grounded and, and powerful you can tend to feel after a yoga class, or I know I feel after a yoga class. Uh, so usually it's connecting over the experience we've just shared. Uh, and, you know, sometimes in a high intensity class, I'll say to someone, oh my God, thank God we got through that. And some people give me nothing. And I've got to realize that they might still be recovering from that <laughs> class. So, you know, I might try again. And uh, with instructors, it's usually I go up and introduce myself and thank them. Uh, they've just, you know, they've just given me a service. So I want to thank them for the, the class and the experience that I've just had. Um, if it's in an event, like going up and introducing myself and putting myself on the front foot. If you say your name first, uh, it tends to make people feel more comfortable. At Lululemon, we ask for people's names at the fitting room. And um, as you know, uh, we take their name and we put it up on the door. But it could be, could be quite intimidating if you go, okay, so what's your name? Because I'm going to put it up on the door versus, hi, I'm Sophie. I'm, you know, what was your name? And then you can get that person's name, have that reciprocated, uh, you know, sharing of, of names and communication, open up that, definitely opening up your body language to that person, but opening up that line of communication through using their name. Uh, and then people are much more forthcoming to share information with you. Fantastic. I love that point that you raised there. And sort of a tip that I developed working at Lululemon was asking open-ended questions. Totally. So open-ended questions are questions that you can't answer with yes or no, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So again, in any of those situations, like open-ended questions, the so things like... Um, you know, how has your day been? What have you been doing this morning? What other classes do you like to do? Where else do you teach? How long have you had the studio? Like all of those things, if I'm talking to that fitness professional, if I'm in interviews, I mean, open-ended questions for anyone that's interviewed uh, are crucial. You want people to talk about their experience rather than give you a yes or no stopped answer. Uh, and then again, when I'm just meeting people out there in the community, like asking them more about themselves uh, a conversation that I've been in a lot is we tend to go into events or, or formalized meetings and go, hi, you know, you're so-and-so, what do you do? And the first thing we want to know is about their profession. And uh, I want to know who they are. Like, what do they do for fun? How do they, um, I know Sarah Holloway has been talking about this a lot. She's been an ambassador for us at Lululemon about like, what do you do to play? What do you do to have fun? Uh, because we did that a lot as we were, when we were children, we, we played, we had fun. Uh, and now it gets very much down to like, who are you and what do you do for work? So I want to know about them, like their family or their friends or what do they do on the weekend or where do they like to have coffee? Like, as you said before, I'm a coffee nut uh, so, <laughs> and, and I'm a brunch nut. So like, what are your favorite cafes? Where should I go next? Uh, so all of those questions, like all of the things that I want to know, like people are a fountain of knowledge. So just ask them those questions and, and get them to elaborate. I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. So if you're coming to the end of yeah. the podcast now, what is the main message you're trying to spread through all your jobs and actions that you do in the day-to-day -day life? Um, oh, main message. I fully believe that everyone has the potential to do anything they want to do in their life. Uh, if you want to be a rocket scientist, you can do it. You just have to study really, really, really hard <laughs> and, and probably for a long time. And... I believe that everyone has the potential and, and my main message is that I want people to believe in their potential and I want people to see that anything is possible for them and I want people to be doing something that makes them happy. 
and surround themselves with people that are on that train with them and are sitting at their table and are there to support them and are backing them. And I know in my 33 years, I've got people around me that support me and back me and call me out when I'm not being my best self and support me when I am. And I, I just, I would, I think that this world would be an incredible place if we all were living into what makes us happy uh, and believing that we have the opportunity and the ability to do anything. Amazing. And you're definitely living into your main message through your everyday life. So congratulations to you, Shabby. I thought I'd end this podcast with a few fun questions based on the lifestyle that you currently lead. Okay. So just picking one of the current options. First one, Melbourne or Sydney? Melbourne. (laughs) Very quick on that answer. (laughs) If you'd said Melbourne or New York, that would have been hard, but I'm going to go Melbourne. (laughs) This one's pretty straightforward. Coffee or tea? Oh, Oh, actually, do you know what? It's not... I'm going to say coffee, but I am definitely a tea nut as well. Bit of both. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Compressed or relaxed tights? Oh, compressed. Train times, best tight ever. I think I own all of them. Definitely going to your local room. <laughs> <Lemon Saturday, laughs> <by the way. laughs> Got to get the plug in there. <laughs> jeans and runners or grey and grey? Oh, I'd have to say jeans on runners because I've been doing it a little bit. Yeah, I'm a bit of a Jonah's nut too. Yeah, actually. definitely yeah. a Jonah's nut. I, all I wear is runners. So I don't really wear jeans, but yeah, I, I'm going to go that. Have feet for hands or hands for oh, feet? I hate this one. Um, hands for feet. Like it. Yeah. Watermelon or cantaloupe? Watermelon. Nice. Live forever or die today? Live forever. Live forever. I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> Lose your sense of taste or lose your sense of smell? Mm, taste. Taste. Yeah. Yep. I like it. And lucky last, battle ropes or burpees? Oh, battle ropes. I love both. So do I. I love both, but I love battle ropes. My clients know it. They hate me for it. Uh, battle ropes are just, oh, I just think they're awesome. My, tra- my coach currently said to me the other day, I've never seen anyone after battle rope smile i was like i just love them they're so great love the thrill yeah sophie thank you so much for your time today you've shared some amazing experience with us that i know a lot of people can take take out of this podcast where can we reach you or contact you okay so um i'm definitely on instagram um, definitely on instagram um and my handle is s-o-p-h-v-d-k uh, very original. Uh, I'm also obviously at Lululemon, so around one of the many stores. Uh, and then I'm also at F45 in Ascot Vale every a couple of days every week. So Awesome. And I'll have those in the show notes for you guys if you want to get in touch with Sophie. I know she's always up for a chat. So. Absolutely. Can't you tell? And a coffee. Either. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for having me and for my first podcast. Welcome to the community. Thanks again, Sophie. <laughs> Thanks. Wow, what an episode that was. Thanks, Sophie, for sharing your journey and really inspiring me to be the best version of myself. It inspired me to refer back to my main goal and ask myself some questions about what I'm doing today and how that's benefiting me in the long run. If you're loving the weekly dose of Euphoria podcast, don't forget to rate and review it on iTunes so the podcast can rank higher and more and more people can get their weekly dose of Euphoria. Thanks guys for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week and I shall see you this time next week on the podcast.